Meet Aneta. She just turned 40 and has been noticing a lot more gray hair. And they all seem to just come out of nowhere. At first, she just had a few gray hairs here and there, but then they just kept multiplying. She has been coloring her hair for a few years, but she would typically do it every 10 to 12 weeks. But now there's so much more, she has to do it a lot more often, every four to six weeks just to keep up with all these grays. She's afraid to use too many chemicals due to her thyroid issues, and she also has autoimmunity. But also, her hair has been falling out a lot more and looking so much drier, and she wanted to see what she could do to help with all of this. When I met Aneta, I saw that in her case, there were a few things at play, and while she was concentrating on using more natural products, there was more going on and more we can do, and I knew exactly where to look to solve her health mystery. Every year, thousands of people are told there's no explanation for their health concerns and no way to fix them. They feel frustrated, undermined, and lost. I know because that was me before I figured out the actual causes and reclaimed my health. Now, I help others do the same. I'm Ina Toppler, and this is Health Mystery Solved. You just heard about Aneta's hair struggles, hair loss, dryness, and especially hair that is graying. And gray hair is certainly not new to many of us, but I bet most people listening to this can relate, especially if you're over 35. While coloring, of course, is an option, as I discussed in previous episodes, there's so many chemicals in conventional dyes, it can really create a problem, not just for the hair and for the scalp, but also for your whole body. And there are some more natural colors out there, but even with that, it requires time, it requires money and patience and all of those things just to maintain. And is there anything else that we can do? And this is something that Aneta was wondering and something that I wondered as well. And this is how I connected with today's guests, Allison Conrad and Jay Small from Array, the wrinkle cream of hair care, which I just love. I love that slogan. They are the first functional beauty brand to target aging hair with a proactive science-driven approach. They can slow and repigment gray hair with the added benefit of thicker, fuller, and healthier hair. Allison and Jay, I'm so excited to have you here. Welcome. Oh, thank you so much. Thank you so much. We're so excited to share. Well, most of us have heard and are likely already doing different steps for anti-aging, be it using creams, hopefully natural ones, with taking supplements and antioxidants and eating anti-inflammatory foods so that you know we can really have a diet that's rich in nutrients in hopes of preventing diseases, aging, wrinkles, you name it. But while it's so common to think about anti-aging and prevention when it comes to our skin, it's not really talked about when it comes to hair. But why not, right? If we could do things to help prevent our skin from aging as quickly, can we do the same for hair? Yep. That's, yeah. <laughs> That's the idea. We realized when we started Array that, you know, hair care was very reactive. For most of my career as a hairstylist, I've been a hairstylist for 21 years you know, it was, I have this problem. What can I do in real time to fix it? But we started to see that in skincare, there was all these proactive steps, you know, regimens, products. And that is really where we realized, hey, we have to bring proactivity into hair care and realize that the place in which our hair comes from is our scalp and it is a skincare issue. And so we started on this journey. 
it's a personal journey for me. Um, and it's exactly what you said. You know, I was using wrinkle cream. I was looking into Botox. I was exercising. I was using SPF, doing all these things for my skin and my body proactively. And there just wasn't anything for hair at the time. You know, and I think with skin, we have some understanding about what happens, but I think people don't always have the understanding um, and it's just not out there as much about what happens with hair. So how does hair get gray? What actually happens there? Over my time, I'm typically the person that people would come to and they see their first gray hair. And what happens over time is that our hair slowly loses pigment until one day it presents a hair that has no color in it. And so this is a combination of vitamin and mineral deficiencies, exposure to oxidative stressors that build up free radicals and the body slowly over time presents gray hair or hair loss as a message from the body saying, hey, we don't have enough fuel or we have a lot that we're combating with and we can't prioritize healthy hair at this point. And so that was really where we kind of started to make the shift. Whereas so many people were coming to me for hair color, but it almost seemed as if using hair color was just masking the issue and not actually getting to the root of what the body was telling us about what it needed. Yeah. And we, when we researched the causes of gray hair, we were so shocked to find out it, there's only one gene that causes gray hair and it accounts for about 30%. It's the IRF4 gene. That to us was a really big aha moment where it's like, oh, we just assume it's genetics and it's this inevitable thing that we just have to accept and, and cover up. And it's like, no, I think we need to look at it differently now and understand that it's not just genetics. There's all these other factors and oxidative stressors being, you know, exposure to sun, right? It, we, we think that's so much for the skin. Well, it's affecting your scalp and your hair. Smoking is a really terrible thing for gray hair. The products that we use, that they're oxidative stressors. And when you're using it on skincare, you, you know, we did notice people go gray a lot on their, you know, the hairline and around their face, um, not so much in the back of their hair, right? And, and there's a reason for that because of these oxidative stressors. Now, what are some of the biggest things in products that you find create the most oxidative stress? You know, the sort of popular products that people may be using. I'd say that, you know, especially for the front hairline, it's a combination of whether it's harsh cleansers or excessive hair dye or not actually being able to use SPF protection on the hairline because Typically what happens is these might be a little bit greasier or weigh the hair down. So a lot of people stop just on the edge of their hairline and don't actually get all the way in there. And what happens is that the hairline, we also have a slightly thinner hair strand, which is called Bella's hair. And so this area around the hairline is less protected, just like the hair parts. So I think it's realizing that when it comes to something that you're going to use so frequently, like a shampoo or like a facial cleanser, and looking at those ingredients, now people are more aware of clean ingredients. But I think there was a time where we thought soap was soap. And now we realize that, you know, there is a lot of cleansers out there that can, you know, over time start to affect the microbiome of the scalp. And any of these harsh chemicals, the body has to create some type of defense. You know, if you put a harsh chemical on there, the body doesn't want that to penetrate into the deeper areas of the skin and affect the cellular activity. So it deploys free radicals to kind of protect from that. And over time, this buildup is what's creating a lack of, you know, cellular activity that creates healthy hair. That really makes a lot of sense. I think that a lot of people 
are aware, at least to some extent, about free radicals in the body, right? So we think about certain oils, maybe like cooking with olive oil, which has a low smoke point. And so that can create free radicals. Our eating foods that naturally are more inflammatory can create free radicals. But thinking about free radicals in certain products that can actually affect the scalp, I think that's a newer thought, but it's a really important one. Well, and it's interesting because, you know, listen, digestion like you're saying, in general, does create free radicals. And the body has access to a certain amount of antioxidants. But you have to see this as a seesaw. And as we age and we expose ourselves to more of these foreign chemicals or foods or whatever the body is trying to balance out, we need to also supplement with those antioxidants to keep the body in balance. And so that was really one of the main factors that we saw is that it's all these lifestyle decisions that people have made that you know, now it is time to kind of see this messaging from the body, whether it be through gray hair or hair loss, and, you know, start to supply it with what it needs. Yeah, which is really important for the whole body. Now, you talked about genetics and how there's one gene that's responsible for gray hair. Let me talk about that a little bit more. So is it that if someone has this gene that they are going to be more predisposed to having gray hair earlier or having more gray hair? Or is there something else that kind of compounds this? And also just as a follow-up, is there a way for us to kind of help to bypass this gene? Any hacks that you know about it? Yeah, I mean, I would just say the science is still a bit of a gray area, um, pun intended here. I mean, we, we scientists have identified that gene, but they haven't really followed up with the, the answers to your questions. And so you know, we're, we're not the scientists doing it. We look to the research from the scientists doing it, but all we can do is, is, is create products that can help with this. Right. And so we see it as like, even if you do have that gene, potentially this could still help with your cell turnover and, you know, providing these nutrients and help, helping you get healthier hair, you know, you might get it earlier, but this helps slow the process down in future years. That's what we're actually most excited about in this space is because there's so much that we're figuring out on a daily basis in terms of the science and new ingredients and things that we can be doing because scientific community hasn't really taken gray hair very seriously until just recently. So, But what's interesting is about that one gene, they did identify that it does cause a decrease in tyrosine. And tyrosine is something that our bodies need to create hair color. So it's also about the vitamins and minerals that we're kind of supplying to the body because there is a way to potentially supplement and tyrosine supplements are on the market. But what people have to realize is, is that by taking tyrosine and putting it into your body, you don't necessarily produce tyrosine. So it is about finding ways to supply the body with what it needs to create these things more naturally, which is similar to the way that we see kind of collagen supplements. You know, collagen in doesn't necessarily mean collagen out. So, you know, that really is um, what we're trying to kind of help people better understand is the best ways for your body to be able to produce these things as opposed to just saying, let's put a bandage on this and let's, you know, just give it what, you know, we think it needs. And, you know, when we talk about grays and hair color, that, of course, is a bandage in itself. But one of the things that you talked about is that it's actually a bandage, but also has like some pretty potential negative issues, you know, and one was that there's a lot of chemicals in hair dyes, which I'd love for you to discuss, but then also there's one specific ingredient that I know you mentioned can actually make your hair gray faster, which is like, oh my gosh, right? So let's talk about that. Well, I think with hair color, you know, first and foremost, 
when people start using it to kind of cover up a few grays, traditionally as a hairstylist, you know, you put it on the entire head so that you make sure you don't miss any grays, even the ones that might be minute or, or not seen. So over my career, I started to put it less on areas that didn't need it and really tried to hyper-focus. But what I noticed is, is that these areas would start to expand over time. And it seemed as if, you know, these chemicals potentially were creating a volatile environment and kind of causing stress. And so over time, we've seen ammonia leave hair color. We've seen, you know, alterations to the coloring agents. But what every hair color under the sun uses that people don't realize is hydrogen peroxide. And hydrogen peroxide is the thing that's the catalyst for these chemicals. And what happens is, is if you're using a box color at home, you're using a higher level of hydrogen peroxide because that box has to make everybody's hair look the same way. Whereas if you go to a salon, they have the ability to kind of cater the hydrogen peroxide level to you. But nonetheless, the same way that hydrogen peroxide swells the hair strand to make it change color, it also swells the scalp. And this swelling of the scalp is what the body then has to defend against. And that is really where we want to be very cautious. So I think, you know, looking at the chemicals in general, it's looking at the amount that we're using them and really seeking professional help with it because as easy it is to access from a drugstore, it might not be the best long-term choice because it could be causing damage. I mean, I also think that even with the professional ones, like you said, everything, all the brands are the sun have peroxide. And do you find that some people might actually be more sensitive than others? Like maybe they have thinner skin on their scalp or maybe even people who have more finer hair. Like, does that make a difference at all? Absolutely. I think there's a lot of different variables, like the type of scalp that we're dealing with or the type of hair, but then also there's the frequency. And so what happens is, is that as someone becomes more gray, it might have started on every six to eight weeks. And then by the time that they get to full, full freight of hair color, they're at three to four weeks. And so it's that combined with how long it takes the scalp to repair after the color exposure and what we're doing to that scalp afterwards. So if you did hair color and then used a harsh shampoo for the next following days and then went into the sun, there's this compound effects that cumulatively build up and make that hair color more volatile, you know, for, for, for you as a user. Yeah. And sun exposure is another big thing, as you mentioned, when I mean, we all know about SPF and most people use it, but you know, most people don't just wear a hat, right? So, and it's not an SPF per se <laughs> for hair, though we'll talk about some of the products you have. I know that's supposed to help with that too, but what is it about the sun? Is it just the free radicals or is there something else? Like, is it also burning the scalp? Because you mentioned too that around the part is where people see it. And that's definitely what I see as well. I don't have much in the front, definitely nothing in the back. It's just all in my middle part and then the left part, you know, where I part if I part it to the side. Well, I think the main thing is, is that you have a combination of UVA and UVB rays that have gotten more intense over our lifetimes. What happens is, is the body is trying to protect the deeper layer, layers of the skin. It's trying to protect the subcutaneous layer and, you know, the areas in which cell activity is actually happening. And if you live in a place like California or if it's summertime on the East Coast, we don't realize that the amount of sun exposure from just going from the car to our children's school or, or to the store, you know, it builds up where it could be hours of the day that your body is in this place where it is constantly deploying these free radicals to try and protect that area. And so what happens is over time, there's a buildup that happens in a callus. And 
in that area, then it is basically in a constant state of protection as opposed to protect and then grow, protect and then grow, and which is what we really want to happen. But if that doesn't, that callus can then make it so that those areas are just not producing uh, the cells that are needed for you know healthy hair and uh, you know also healthy scalp because the scalp then as it gets exposed you know gets burned and then uh, has to shed dead skin cells and this cycle is then more the priority than again the hair is. You know a lot of people who listen to the show have thyroid issues and Hashimoto's and hair loss and hair thinning and breaking hair is a really common thing for so many of us. And of course, getting the thyroid optimal is huge. Getting autoimmunity to be balanced and bringing Hashimoto's to remission is really really important. But even as people do that, while that helps a lot, there's still cases of people having hair thinning, hair loss, obviously more graying. And that's because there's all of these other things involved. So I'm so glad that you're mentioning the free radicals and just that topical effect in addition to what's going on internally too. I think it's it's so important that we realize that the hair was created from the body to protect our scalps and to, you know, do a function. We've kind of turned it into a, you know, something that we beautify and we style, but it serves as a, a greater function just as our skin serves as a greater function. And it protects what's actually happening for the factory of the body. And so we want to treat it that way. And, you know, also realize that for us, it's also about decreasing the stress of not having an option. And we see that proactivity does also lead people to see it in a more positive light. Okay. This is happening to me. This is happening to a lot of people. And we want them to feel like there is options. And it's not just, you know, like I also would say a gray area. <laughs> yeah. So let's talk about these options because I know for everyone listening right now, they likely have some gray hair, you know, some maybe more than others, but if they're over 30, I'm sure that they do. And most people are coloring their hair. Hopefully they are using more natural colors, but you know, even with that, like we said, there can be the peroxide and some of the other chemicals. So what can they do and where can they start? You talked about some of the topical things, better ingredients in terms of our hair products, but also certain nutrients, like you mentioned tyrosine. What are some of the steps that people can take and how can we think about hair in terms of this like preventative anti-aging hair system, you know, just like we do for skin and for other things? First and foremost, when we started, we started with the supplement Not Today Gray. And that was specifically based on the research that we found that there were several vitamin and mineral deficiencies that were associated with premature gray. Um, and so that was then combined with antioxidants, as we we're talking about through this whole you know piece about kind of giving the body enough to kind of counteract the free radicals. You know, there's a lot of common vitamin and mineral deficiencies that you know, people could access through the foods that they eat, but they'd have to eat so many of those foods. And what we've noticed is, is that people through their 20s into their 30s, it's a time where we might go to college and not prioritize food three times a day. And we might think juice cleanses are healthy, but they don't provide nutrients. And suddenly over time, we, we get into a place of deficiency. So things like B6, B12, biotin, vitamin D, vitamin E, copper, iron, these are all things that, you know, the body needs, but we might not have enough access to. So we started there because that was the best way that we could, you know, give the fuel to them, the topical products that we created. 
with the supplement, I noticed all of those really wonderful ingredients and you use your bees in the methylated form, which is great. I noticed that there was a good amount of copper in it, which is pretty different than your typical sort of hair multivitamin that's out there. Can you talk about that and the significance of copper? Well, I think for you know copper, what we're seeing is, is that there's more research leading to how this deficiency inside of the body can actually, you know, lead to premature gray. And so when we identified that, we realized that it maybe wasn't as accessible in multivitamins. And so that was one of the ones along with some of the antioxidants that we saw that, you know, people could access to piece by piece, which is kind of what Allison's experience was, but there wasn't one that kind of combined all of them together. So it was one of the, you know, ones that we wanted to kind of prioritize in this because we think that the research that's coming out in the future is really going to show that this deficiency or this supplementation can really help. Yeah. So my, my personal story was that I was taking 12 different supplements. It was very expensive and very tiresome to take so many pills every morning. And a lot of them didn't have, you know, obviously the combination of, of the ingredients that we have and this Eastern Western approach. So we use Western science as sort of like our guiding force, but then also look to Eastern medicine as well. So um, we're really trying to combine Eastern, Western, and then the inside out, outside in approach. So that is what led us to creating the topical products. Um, a lot of the times in acne um, treatments, you see an internal and an external focus. It's the same kind of ideas. Let's try to you know tackle the gray hair from both sides. Mm -hmm. And it makes so much sense because as you said, it's an extension, right, of your scalp and a protection even really of your scalp. So why not? And I think that's so cool and novel and wonderful because it just hasn't been done before and we just haven't thought of it that way. But as we were saying before, why not, right? So, so that makes sense about the supplement and the specific nutrients because it's targeting all of those things that we decide, um, discussed. But what about the topical things. I'd love to hear more about the shampoo, but then there's more. It's not just the shampoo. There's other things that are actually specifically supportive to the scalp, but from this gray hair area versus just nourishing. Because most things you see out there are, you know, oils for hair loss that you put on the scalp or for things like psoriasis on the scalp or, you know, for other kind of dryness, flaking, that kind of stuff. Yeah. I think the main, you know, uh, catalyst for us was we had identified clinically effective peptide that had been shown to slow gray hair and also help with repigmentation. And the goal for us was to create a vehicle for this peptide to be used most frequently by people without any issue of it building up on the hair or the scalp or irritation, but then also realize that this peptide has to go through five layers of skin work its way down to the subcutaneous layer, and then actually supply the base of the hair strand with hair color. That to us was really where we kind of saw this journey. I think there's a lot of topicals that are on the market. I don't think everybody realizes that this is about absorption. So the goal is, is how do we get rid of, you know, free radicals that are built up along that way, not to overuse that term again, <laughs> but then also, you know, have the skin be able to accept and swell in a way that it allows these ingredients to kind of penetrate where they need to get to. And the other side to penetration is, is, is frequency of use, you know? So for us, my background is product formulation. You know, obviously we're all users of product, but it was about eliminating things that we knew would get in the way of people using it too frequently. Yeah. So we don't, there's no oils in our serum and no fragrance in the serum. 
And it's really be, meant to be used one to two times a day, every day, right? So a lot of what we try to explain to people is this is about consistency and it does take three to four months. Your hair grows slowly. So this is a commitment, but so is hair dye. And so is brushing your teeth, you know, like it's just thinking about things. So is using skincare products every day, right? So we, we do these things anyways. And so it's, it's adding that, you know, small step in your routine, but not having it be cumbersome. It actually um, is a styling tool. It helps. There's Panthenol, so it, it volumizes the hair. So there's a benefit as well, a, a, an immediate benefit to using the serum. And then when we looked to user ability, we were like, we can't just have these two products. We have to have this in as many products as possible so people can integrate it into their lifestyle. You know, if you're not a serum user, you won't keep up with it, but you do shampoo your hair. We added it to the shampoo so that you could access it with the shampoo, leaving it on, you know, three to five minutes to really make sure it penetrates. Um, and then we created a scrub, uh, you know, all these new products that we're coming out with have the peptide that all the non-conditioning products do. And it's really meant to go into your routine in, a, in an easy and accessible way. And it's important to note too that, you know, especially for the users that we're speaking to now, this was all formulated by a clean chemical manufacturer. And that was really important to us. Mm-hmm. We're not looking to add these ingredients and then have it be counteracted by, you know, a vehicle that might not be healthy for the scalp. So the goal was go to skincare formulators and actually formulate the shampoo, the, the scalp scrub serum from a skincare perspective. You know, yes, it does help your future hair, but it is your scalp that is going to create future hair. And that was where the wrinkle cream hair care really kind of began was in that notion of, you know, this is a skin issue. This isn't necessarily a hair issue. Yeah. And it's just so important to remember because most people don't think of it that way. So with this peptide that's included into the serum, which I know you said was your first product and it's included into the shampoo and the conditioner, right? And then let's talk about the scrub a little bit. You know, most people know scrubs for our skin, our body, but we don't really think about our scalp. So why is that important? And also, I know your scrub's a little bit different than some of the more traditional ones. So I'd love to hear more about that. Yes, we we actually called it scrub as kind of a funny play on words uh, because, you know, scrub, I think for, especially for scalp, we see as these very heavy, uh, heavy physical exfoliants. When in actuality, you know, as we look at the scalp microbiome, there is an element that, you know, when we use shampoo, we shampoo really targets like product buildup and environmental buildup, but it doesn't necessarily target the things that build up on the scalp, which are dead skin cells and excess oil. So what happens is your body produces this oil, these dead skin cells, if not shed, kind of combine together and create a barrier on the scalp. So we also realize that people don't shampoo every day and we don't necessarily advise them to. So this scalp scrub is a combination of salicylic, glycolic, and lactic acid, along with a very subtle abrasive exfoliant called perlite. And the goal is, is to actually balance the scalp and specifically target removing those dead skin, skin cells and the oil buildup and, you know, stimulate the fingers as you're doing it with the perlite. But it's less about the feel on your hands and it's more about the actual environment of the scalp. And this also has, you know, are what we call the melanine complex, which takes that peptide and several other ingredients and makes them then have the effectiveness for helping future hair growth. And this is something Annette was really having an issue with. Um, you know, in addition to all her hair struggles, she was finding 
that there was this residue on her scalp. You know, she would say sometimes she would take her finger and like kind of just like if she was scratching her head and there would be something under her nail, like, and it was almost like gooey in a way, like, and and it wasn't flakes. It wasn't dandruff the way you would think. It was almost like kind of like oily. And she just said it was like caked on. So I just wonder how many other people are experiencing that too and how much that could be blocking new hair from growing and from growing well. Because we think about in the shower, right? Most people will use like a sponge or a loofah or something, you know, versus just soap because we have those same dead skin cells on are the rest of our skin. So it's much harder to get it off your scalp. Yeah. And I think, you know, what's really important too is, is we actually tried to design the bottle so that it has a pointed tip. It goes directly to the scalp. It's, you know, very targeted for this specific issue. And we found too, when we were kind of taking microscopic photos of people's scalps, we were kind of so blown away at, at like what you're saying uh, with Aneta that there is this buildup that happens on people's scalps. And it's not, you know, even just kind of in your common areas, but there's areas that we actually don't shampoo the same way that we shampoo others. For example, the back of our heads, we really don't shampoo that well. And I know this because I've seen a lot of scalps over 20 years of people coming in. And it's the area where most buildup happens because we shampoo our front hairline and the top of our head, but we kind of neglect the back of the fact that there's a whole back of our hair here. And so, when we started to look at different ways to shampoo or, or build this into the shower, the scalp scrub seemed like the, the best uh, way to do that. And we've had great results so far and people are loving it. How do you feel about those scalp brushes? You know, like the little things that like you could put shampoo and then like you sort of scrub, quote unquote. Is that too abrasive? What do you think? Yeah, I'd say, you know, for me, we want to decrease the ability of like tension. So there's a lot of factors like we've spoken about that can be dangerous, but then there's also the one that people don't realize, which is just general tension. So if someone is experiencing uh, a bit of hair thinning or brittleness, you know, a lot of times it could be the hair strand or it could be the scalp's ability to hold on to the hair. And so we don't necessarily want to create an environment of too much tension. So the difference between, say, brushing your hair while wet versus dry is that wet hair will stretch up to 50% its length. And this is oftentimes where breakage happens. So if we were in the shower and we're experiencing a wet scalp and then wet hair, and then using something that could tangle in the hair or create unnecessary tension, it might not be the best. The best thing that you can do is use your fingertips because that will kind of keep a, a, a perfect balance where your fingers won't go too aggressive. And also, you know, your scalp then will be left in a healthier state. Now, if someone comes in and they're, let's say, 10% gray, and someone else might be 50%, maybe even 70% gray, can they both use some of these products? Does it matter how gray someone is? So we've seen in our research and the research associated with this peptide that the best results are in less than 30% gray. We have a chart on our website to help kind of figure out what that exactly means, but it is really meant to be a proactive solution. So this is the earlier stages of gray. You know, this is not, we're not purporting that somebody come in and has an entire head of gray hair. They start taking these products three, four months later, they have all black hair, right? You know, the, the, the science is not there. That is not what we're trying to accomplish. We're trying to get on top of this like wrinkle cream. You don't put wrinkle cream on a deep wrinkle and expect it to go away. So it's really meant for early stages. What we are seeing though is that the, the products, especially our conditioning products, help with the other attributes of aging hair. So just like your skin, your hair ages in many ways. It goes gray, it, you have hair loss, thinner, coarser, duller. And so the conditioning products that we have are meant to address those 
issues. And so we we're actually kind of excited about how this can help people with a little bit more gray in terms of managing that hair because that gray hair is different in nature. And a lot of uh, products that exist on the market are like purple shampoos and not addressing sort of the actual other characteristics of aging hair. But yes, with with results, we say when you're less than 30% gray, that's the ideal time. Okay. And if someone is more than 30%, they, is it possible to maybe slow down, like say they're 70% gray, they may not get that back, but is it possible to slow down that the rest of the 30% they have left? Yes. Yes, absolutely. And because there's, there's kind of like three phases of hair, there's your hair that has its natural color. There's your hair that's turning gray and maybe is presenting as gray. And then there's white hairs. So unfortunately, you know, if the body has had a hair turn white, that means that the melanin supply is kind of shut off and, and there's nothing that the peptide or our ingredients can stimulate. But if the hair strands in that gray phase, there might be a couple of melanocytes left and that is what can be stimulated. But more importantly, you know, for me, around the time when Array was starting, I was actually kind of helping my clients grow out their hair color. Because what I found is, is if someone's 50 or 70% gray, the frequency at which they're coloring and the actual timeline in which they're actually happy with their hair it's very slim. So what I started to propose was, hey, let's get rid of this color because the color is creating a contrast. That means that every two to three weeks, you're going to have this gray root in comparison to this brown hair. When in actuality, if you were to grow out this color, you might have a beautiful head of healthy. Yes, it all it might be gray, but it's a healthier you know, a head of hair that doesn't need to be managed or, or I hate to say it, but dismantled. Because when you're putting that much color on someone's hair, that's why it's not only gray or getting more gray, but it's also looking coarse and dry because this is affecting the way that that hair is growing. And so we saw several great results where people grew out that hair color and then were able to, you know, have the best looking hair that they had in those higher percentages of gray because we're not anti-gray. We're here to work well with gray. If you're in the place where we can start to prevent or repigment, absolutely. Um, but, you know, as we all get to a certain point, we will start to see some grays. Mm-hmm. I have some right here. I'm very proud of them, but they're smooth and they're healthy. And that is what's important. Yeah. Now, when people have grays and they're very wiry, is that something that naturally happens or is there a free radical a- aspect to that? Or is that also something that could come from too much of conventional and possibly toxic hair dye? It's a, it's a structural issue. So uh, very similar to like when a balloon doesn't have air. Uh, it can be kind of uh, messy and shapeless, but when you fill that balloon up with air, it has a very smooth exterior. So as someone loses hair color over time, they are losing mass from the interior of the hair strand. And so that hair strand cannot, you know, expand and support the smoothness that one that has color does. So with our conditioning products, the goal was, was to not try and put a residue on the outside but to use conditioners that actually go into the interior of the hair strand and swell it back to its healthy state so that it can appear smooth. So it's really about the mass that is lost from hair color over time, or yes, using a hair color or a hair dye can also decrease the collagen that is, you know, in the scalp and in the hair strand. And then that can also lead to the coarseness, the dryness, you know, these unruly types of hair. And so that's one of the main things that we look for when we're comparing before and afters is the color change, but then also the textural change. 
Mm-hmm. Yeah. And I've been using your products for about two months now, and it really does make a big difference. I'm pretty gray, so I don't know how much it'll make an effect on the gray, but I'm all about prevention, you know, and, and with all the work that I do with thyroid, it's the same idea, right? People come to me with Hashimoto's and they'll say, okay, well, you know, a certain percentage of my thyroid is destroyed. So like, what can I do? You know, and research shows that, you know, the, the part that's destroyed, we in theory can't get back, even though we've seen some things, but that's not something we can really officiate because, you know, the research shows that you're not, we really can't. But here's the thing, right? If let's say 50% of your thyroid is destroyed, you still have the other 50%. Let's stop the attack. Let's stop the destruction so that we could save the rest and actually have it function as well as it can. So it's the same idea here. So I'm all about, okay, whatever hair I have (laughs) that is not gray, I'd love to prevent that. Well, and also what people, what what we're realizing is, is as we're working more with hair colorists, there is a certain point where, you know, too high of a percentage of gray can be problematic to a colorist because it's the frequency. But then it's also the fact that, that hair strand doesn't retain color the same way because the way if it presents in that unruly way would mean that it could be harder to penetrate the color or it could be harder for that um, color to evenly distribute over all the hair strands. And that's where we're really trying to create a very healthy environment, whether the hair is a little bit gray, somewhat gray or very gray so that it can kind of fit into your lifestyle and is easier to manage. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And, you know, one of the things you mentioned also with some of the conditioning products and the smoothing products is giving that smoothness. And I know a lot of products out there use chemicals or certain ingredients that give that illusion of smoothness, but then it also kind of coats the hair and then gives more buildup to both the hair and the scalp, which we don't want. So I'd love it if you could talk a little bit about the ingredients that you use, because I think if someone was to read the ingredients, they may see certain things say, oh yes, you know, it's this or it's that, but there's actually a difference. So can you talk about that a little bit? Of course. You know, the main thing with our conditioning products is, is that there's two that we really focus on, which is jojoba oil and shea butter. And it's really their ability to kind of absorb into the hair strand and then actually kind of fill in gaps in the cuticle so that you do create this smoothness. But then there's another ingredient that we we really try and call out, which is a modemethicone. And it's, it's going to sound crazy to people, but it is a silicone. It's from the silicone family, but not all silicones are created equally. And so through our research, what we found is, is that a modemethicone has a positively charged ion. What that means is, is it can't combine together and it can't cause buildup on the surface of the hair, which is what the issue is with silicones. There's a whole other list in there that they will build up over time. But for us, it's important to be clean, but also understand the entire realm of what is positive and negative. Because if we were to eliminate everything just because it falls under one umbrella, we wouldn't be doing a service to our to our customers and to our, our, our people. And I appreciate you mentioning that only because I know when I first looked at it, I said, oh, well, there's silicones and I use hair print, which you really have to be very careful about using any silicones and build up. And then we have this conversation and I, of course, I'm not a formulator, so I don't know all the ins and outs. And it was really interesting and really helpful to learn that because again, you hear things and you just assume one thing is everything. And so it's just, it's important to bring light to this. So thank you. Yeah, no, I think it's, it's interesting. We've, we've had such a, a great relationship with our, um, our, our cosmetic chemists and we have, you know, several that we lean on for this. And what we try and do is, is we try not to eliminate anything just at the, at the Google search as you will. Cause if you just Google search something and, you know, one person has a bad, you know, uh, way to say it, 
it's really about kind of getting to the relationship of how all these ingredients work together in tandem and support themselves or support each other through the product formulation. But also for us, we're not trying to create a, a line that has 40 or 50 products. We are trying to take really proactive ingredients that help all hair types with this general goal of preserving youthful hair and preventing, you know, the signs of aging hair. And so what that means is, is we had to be very thoughtful in towing the line amongst all these ingredients so that we can say it does work well with all hair colors, all hair types, and in generally most situations. Yeah, no, that makes a lot of sense. And it makes it easy too, because, you know, people already have a routine, as you mentioned. So if they just have a few things to be part of their routine, easy peasy, right? And I think what's really neat is that it's just this combination of nature and science, right? Because we want things to be natural, but then there's also the science of the nutrients that you talked about and the free radicals and the antioxidant and the peptide. And, you know, I just love how it all goes together. And I really wanted to bring awareness to this because most people just do not realize that there is something that they can do for their scalp the same way as they do for their skin and the rest of their body. So I really, really appreciate you guys being here and sharing all this information with us and educating us because I think so many people can benefit from understanding this. And um, I think the products are wonderful. Um, I actually have been using them for a little bit and really happy with it. And so and you guys were kind enough to create a coupon code for anyone who's listening. And that is INA15. So it's I-N-N-A-15. And it could be used on your website. But give us a little bit more information about how people can contact you, where they can find you, if they want to learn more, maybe see more information. Yeah, I mean, our website has a, a really good how does it work page if you really want to dig into the science. And the homepage has, a, you know, before and afters, testimonials. You can see sort of what the expectations can be, the timelines for how long things typically take. Um, we are in Credo stores. So if you want to you know, try it physically in, in real life, um, we're in all of Credo stores nationwide. You can check the list on our website. And uh, yeah, we're, I mean, I, I hate to throw Jay's email out there, no. but he's, he's always available. If you have hair specific questions, Jay at arraygray.com. Um, you know, I, he's my personal hairstylist. So I, I, I know he serves other people, but, uh, he's a wealth of knowledge. I think, you know, hair is so personal. Um, so a lot of people send in their pictures and say, How, you know, what percentage of gray am I? Is this going to work for me? What can I expect? Um, we also encourage people to take before pictures and after pictures. It's really hard to see the effects on a daily basis. It's just like watching your kids grow. You don't think you're like, oh, they're the same every day. And then you look back and you're like, oh my God, they grew two inches. And the same thing is for before and afters. It's pretty amazing what the difference can be um, if you stick with it and you, you know, wait that four to six months to really see results and then can see it physically in a before and after. I am always open to consultations. You know, listen, I'm a hairstylist first. So it's funny that we have a website and Instagram and all these virtual forms of communication. I'm really, uh, you know, a person to person type of a type of a guy. And I also think too that, you know, we now have this kind of very robust blog posts that mm -hmm. try and kind of just give people all the information. And what I love about consultations is it's not necessarily what I tell people, but it's what they ask me that I then learn from. And then kind of for us, it's all about continuing our research. And so we do appreciate everybody who's been supportive of us and, and who will support us in the future. Well, thank you so much for everything that you're doing for all of our hair. <laughs> we all thank you. And I so appreciate you being here and giving us all this information. 
I look forward to staying connected with you. Thank you. As you just heard, the scalp is responsible for so much more when it comes to hair. And just as we can support our skin and do many things to help the aging process on our skin, we can also do the same for our scalp. From antioxidants to proper moisturizing and targeted support, giving our scalp the needed TLC is imperative for healthy hair and also has a big effect on how quickly hair might actually start to go gray. In Annette's case, we had to address things both internally as well as topically. I first ran detailed blood work and I saw that she was borderline for her B12. Her B12 is only 460 and I like to see B12 at 600 or above on blood work. Her iron was also borderline. She was only 55 for her total iron, even though her hemoglobin was normal, but total iron of 55 is a little bit on the lower side. And I also saw that she had low vitamin D and low zinc. So first we started to support those nutrients. I used the methyl B complex by Quicksilver Scientific because it's a nice sublingual B12 and B complex. And so that absorbs really well. We used the Ferrocal iron from Designs for Health for her iron. And then we used the reacted zinc from Orthomolecular and the vitamin D Supreme from Designs for Health for her vitamin D. I'll put all of those in the show notes for you as well. We knew that Aneta had Hashimoto's. However, she had not had a full thyroid panel from her original doctor. When I ran everything, I saw that she was actually the unavailable thyroid type. Now, I speak a lot about this on my trainings. And if you haven't had a chance to attend any of my free Hashimoto's trainings where I discuss thyroid typing and everything that you can do, I do have another one coming up in late September. I will definitely be speaking about that and posting about it on social media and emailing about it. So please stay tuned. But in her case, what happens with the unavailable hormone types is that she had thyroid hormones, but her body was not able to properly use them. Her thyroid hormones were actually bound to different proteins and weren't available to the cells to be used. Now, this thyroid type has a lot to do with other hormones. So we needed to do some further testing and we used the Dutch test, which is a comprehensive hormone test. And what we saw was that her issue was that her body was low in progesterone. Now, this is very individual, so it's not the same for everyone, but in her case, her progesterone was low. And even though her estrogen wasn't super high either, in relativity, there was more estrogen than progesterone and we needed to support that. So we supported all of that to help her body be better able to use her thyroid hormones as we addressed all of the deficiencies. We also looked at her Hashimoto's triggers and started with some gentle detox based on her specific liver pathways that were a little bit sluggish. While doing all of this, she changed the type of color that she was using to something that had less peroxide. And then we also added a lot of different nutrients topically to help support her scalp. She stopped using harsh shampoos and also conditioners that had a lot of synthetic silicones. And instead, we added serums that had antioxidants and a shampoo and conditioner that was much more gentle and had a lot of smoothing, but without the synthetic silicones. As Jay spoke about in the interview, not all silicones are bad. It's just a matter of using the right ones that are not going to weigh hair down and not create any buildup. 
as Allison worked on things both internally and topically, she saw a huge shift. Her hair became a lot softer and there was much less shedding. Now, while it takes a little time to see the effect on the gray, she did notice her hair was growing in so much smoother and it was less frizzy and it just looks so much healthier. She's going to continue with the protocol and she looks forward to seeing the results on the gray hair in the coming months. If Annetta sounds like someone you know, would you please share this episode with them? And please be sure that you subscribe to the show so that you never miss an episode. And as always, when it comes to your health issues, no matter how big or how small, the answers are out there and there is hope. I'm Ina Toppler. Thank you so much for tuning in. And I will see you next time on Health Mystery Solved, Thyroid and Hashimoto's Revealed. All information, content, and material on this podcast is for informational purposes only and is not intended to serve as a substitute for the consultation, diagnosis, and or medical treatment of a qualified physician or healthcare provider.